If you are visiting, I want to welcome you. My name is Jose. I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor, and we, Cypress Creek Church, are a group of imperfect people. We're all on a journey to follow the only perfect one, and that is Jesus. And so I'm really glad that you are here to celebrate God through worship, and this morning you're in for a treat because we have our mission partners from, anybody know where that flag is from? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Way to go, Scott, you knew it. Let's give it up for Patrick and Gladys who are here. Patrick is gonna deliver the word in just a minute. And so super excited. Anytime we get to hear from what God is doing in other countries and celebrate what God is doing in the kingdom of God. If you are visiting, I want to turn your attention to the guide, the gathering guide. It's a website called ccc.guide. Just plug that into your phone and you'll see a lot of different things. A connect card, a prayer card. If you have any needs that we can partner with you and pray with you uh, about, would love for you to fill that out. And also we have uh, prayer happening this Thursday. It's the National Day of Prayer. And so as a church family, we're going to pray. We're going to pray individually and we're going to pray corporately. So individually, if you want to sign up for a 30-minute time, uh, you can do that on the guide. And Rhonda, our prayer pastor, will send you a prayer guide so that you can follow that guide as we intercede and pray for our country. We're going to follow 1 Timothy 2, where Paul says, I urge literally urge, meaning it's urgent to pray for those in authority and also to pray for revival, for hearts to be changed. And speaking of revival, we're going to celebrate another baptism after this gathering. That's right. It's exciting because already this year, this will be our 35th baptism. Last year we had 41. And so I'm praying for many, many more. Many, many more uh, uh, folks that are ready to, to come publicly and, and, and declare in front of the church body, I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. A, a prayer that we privately pray becomes public through this beautiful symbol that we get to participate with God with, and that's baptism. So we'll do that after this Gathering, crosstalk, Texas State students, we're baptizing six. Six of you are getting baptized on Thursday. Another student is getting baptized at J-High on Wednesday, y'all. I'm telling you, it is good stuff. So if you have yet to get baptized, I encourage you to uh, reach out to a community group leader, come talk to me, and uh, let's celebrate what God is doing in our midst. All right, back to Missions Sunday. So we do this every fifth Sunday, four times a year. This is the fifth Sunday of April. And uh, so we highlight a ministry partner again this morning, our brother and friend Patrick and, and Gladys from Zimbabwe. And then at the end, I will come up and I'll pray for an offering. We learned a couple of weeks ago in Romans 12 that we are to be living sacrifices, offer our lives as a living. That's the way we live. And part of that means financially contributing. So we will have, it's the only time that buckets are passed in this church. And so we'll uh, uh, collect an offering that will go outside of the walls of Cypress Creek Church to our local and our global ministry partners. 10% of our uh, budget goes, as a church, if you give to Cypress Creek Church, 10% of that already goes outside of the walls of Cypress Creek Church. This offering is a part of that because isn't it wonderful to be a part of what God is doing here in our community and all over the world? Isn't it wonderful? 
I'm glad I'm not alone in thinking that. All right, so I uh, want to show a video, two minutes of some of the work that is happening in Zimbabwe, and then as soon as the video ends, could you, uh, with me, give Patrick a Cypress Creek Church welcome and applaud, okay? As soon as the videos end, let's give him a welcome. Can we do that? Let's roll the video. Hello and welcome. We're excited to share with you about a wonderful charitable mission in Zimbabwe that's making a positive impact on the lives of children. Founded by Patrick and Gladys Mpunde, this mission is focused on church planting, training of pastors, and children's education. One of the key components of this mission is the International Christian School, which is dedicated to providing children with a high school education, practical skills, and most importantly, a strong foundation in the Word of God. As the school continues to grow rapidly, there is an urgent need for six more classrooms to accommodate the increasing number of students. We are reaching out to you today to help support this important cause. Your donation will go directly towards building the additional classrooms necessary to ensure that the school can continue to provide education to the many children who need it. The cost to get one student through an entire school year is $400. We understand this may seem like a lot, but every donation counts. Even a small donation can make a big impact. Your contribution can help one child receive an education that will change their life forever. So we invite you to join us in supporting this charitable mission in Zimbabwe. In doing so, you'll be helping to ensure that these children receive the education they need to succeed and make a positive impact in the world. We greatly appreciate your generosity and look forward to what we can achieve together to change lives and empower the future generation, one student at a time. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. As Pastor said, my name is Patrick Mpande. That's my wife sitting on the left, extreme left. We've been together for 47 years. And uh, um, we have five grand boys, and they stay with their families. That's a cool thing right there. We visit them <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> I'm honored to be here. Cypress Creek is a home to us. We were rescued when our lives were in danger in the country of Zimbabwe in 2002. And Cypress Creek adopted us, sponsored my family to be here in Wembley. And we came and we lived in Wood Creek until 2009. So my kids went to school here. So whenever we come to this place, it's a home for us. So we are real honored to see every one of you. And also I want to um, greet my pastor here and his wife. And they are wonderful people. They afforded us to be here to minister the word of God to everyone. And like I say, our relationship goes back, way back. I met Pastor Rob in 1994. At the time, they were meeting in the square. 
And um, our relationship gotten deeper from that point. Pastor Rob used to bring teams to Zimbabwe to help us with cell church establishment. And he did this for years, bringing different teams and things. So at the time, there was tension in our country. And then we got investigated because we're having a lot of white people at our place. <laughs> and so um, that's how our name went to the hit list. We left with four suitcases among us, we're five of us. And I remember calling Pastor Rob about it, saying it looks like things are not well in Zimbabwe. And he said, uh, we are going to rescue you. Just play it cool. Don't show that you're going to leave or anything like that. And I told my kids, just pack your backpack. That's all you have to do. And story short, we landed in Wimberley. So many people used to ask us in Wimberley, why Wimberley? <laughs> in all places. So I want to greet you in my language. I say, Salibonani. All you have to say is, Yebo. Can you do that? Yebo. Salibonani. Yebo. See, that's simple. We just greeted you. Welcome to Zimbabwe. I want to thank God very, very much for Cypress Creek Church. It's, it's our home. Every time we come here, we feel it's hard to leave town because people call us and we've eaten all kinds of tortillas in town. <laughs> so, so we love it here. It's, it's a cool place. You want tacos? You got it. <laughs> I want to talk about who we are in Christ. I think that's very important. When we don't know our position in Christ, it's very difficult to execute what we want to do in the kingdom of God. I remember some years ago, I was studying to be an insurance broker. They took us to San Antonio. They locked us in a hotel. I tell you what, those teachers, when they teach you about insurance, you can sell a brick or anything. When you get out of that program, it's like, you can sell anything. <laughs> and one thing they told us is, always position yourself as an expert. And don't say, and they gave us an example of a doctor who, when the patient comes in and sit down and say, I have a headache. Then the doctor said, how long has it been? Or oh, it has been a week. Then he turns around and go to the Google <laughs> and said, stay put. I will find out pretty soon. Bim, 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 bim. Just hold on now. Bum, 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 bum. If a doctor did that to me, that chair will be empty in five minutes. I'll be out of the place because this guy is going to ask Google what's wrong with my head. So really they were teaching us that it's because when you don't know yourself, then it becomes very difficult to excel. I'm going to read the passage here. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse number 20, it says, so we are ambassadors of Christ. I just wanted to read that part. And so there are so many ways that God calls us. For instance, he calls us sons. Genesis is the evidence of that. He calls us sons. In John 1, he says, we find these words, as many as believed him, he gave them power 
to be called sons. So first of all, we are sons of God. Now, this is nothing to do with gender, but as children, we are sons of God, meaning sons deserve everything that the Father has. So that's the starting point there. If you are a son of God, that means you deserve everything that the Father has. Everything that the Father has is yours. So we qualify to inherit what God has for us. Another word that is used to designate us or to describe us is saints, meaning we are set apart for godly purposes. We are, saint means someone who is set apart for godly purposes. So if I come to you and say you're a saint, some people don't accept that. Oh, no, me, I'm, no, I'm nothing. I'm just nothing. It's not, it's not what God intended for us. He calls us saint. Well, some people look at themselves as if God can throw us out when we mess up. If you are a son, that means there is DNA there. It doesn't matter whether you spend half of your life in prison, you are still the son of your dad. It is like that. That does not change. Therefore, if we mess up, God is so loving that he doesn't say, throw out, I'll probably get married and get some more kids. No, God is not like that. When we mess up, we see the overwhelming love of God because we are, we are his children. So when we mess up, he protects us even more. That's his love. That's the love of the Father there. So when he calls us sons, we don't take that lightly. It's serious stuff. And he shows us by love. You know what happens when we mess up? The first responder is the devil. He's the first one to show up. And he's going to tell you, that's it. You've blown it. That's it. You're bad. Nobody will ever like you. Everybody knows about it in town. Leave town. I sometimes watch the animal kingdom. And what, what happens, you have lions, you have elephants, you have deer, you have all kinds of species out there. When a lion wants to attack, he will run in between whether they are deer or buffaloes, he run, run in the, right in the middle and try to separate just one from the rest of buffaloes and start to separate this one buffalo and they all run towards this one buffalo away from everybody so that they can do what they want out there where there's no rescue. So that's what the, the enemy uses, the same tactic. When he's after us, what he does is he separates us from cell groups and separates us from everybody and be isolated. And when, by, we, uh, when, when, when we are alone like that, then he starts to preach negativity to kill us and destroy us. The Bible then says that Jesus came that we may have life and have life in abundance. Therefore, our God is on our side, and we will not allow the enemy to separate us from the love of God. That is for free. <laughs> so therefore, in John 17, he says, sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. We are sanctified through the word of God. Another word that he uses is citizen. It says in Philippians 3.19, our citizenship 
is in heaven. So that means we are sons and we are citizens also, but our citizenship is not of this world. We are passing. That's why we can't build strong and future life on this earth because everything is going to pass away, including us as human beings. We're going to pass away. So our citizenship is, is not here. Let me go back to my word, ambassador. I want to talk a little bit more about that and then I'll make sure I'll get you out of here by 3 o'clock. <laughs> an ambassador means an accredited diplomat sent to represent his country in another country. Is someone who is sent to stand for his country in another country. In the business world, we have ambassadors. These are people that maintain a pro, the, the status of the product. Where they're in the shop, they polish the image, make sure that the image, the product is sold right. We call those people ambassadors. They stand on behalf of the company. So ambassadors are watched all the time by the sending country. The country that is sending them is the country that is watching over them in all their activities. So the Bible therefore says that God's eye moves to and fro to support those who are completely his. So never ever you think that there's a time when God will leave you and you're on your own. That's not the love of Father. I know that religion teaches that once you've blown it, it's over, you're condemned, that's it, you're lost, you're finished. That's not the love of the Father. The God that I serve is a God of love. If he gave Adam a second chance, remember, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the Bible says God came in the garden and they were hiding because they knew they were naked. They were hiding. Now, there were only two people in the universe. God could have said, you know what? The easiest thing is to get rid of them. Forget them. I'll create another clean set here. Who will be a genealogy of righteousness? Forget these. These have blown it. They have blown their chance. I'm starting right here. Because there are only two. I don't worry about them. But God is not like that. He begged off and said, I love them as they are. I'll come up with a plan of restoration. It may take time, but they will be restored. Then the plan of salvation was put in place. It took forever for Christ to come. And he was the only one that was going to change the situation between man and God. But God never said, I'm done with this. God doesn't operate like that. The Bible says that, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that is serious stuff right there. Meaning that it doesn't matter what has happened in your life, no matter how many setbacks have been in your household, but our God is still the same and his love is not dictated by things that happen. Situations cannot shift or change the degree of love that God has for us. It's still, it's still the same. That's why the Bible gives the example of a prodigal son. The Bible says, when he came to his senses, he said, my father is so rich, I'm going back there. And then he started walking back when, when his father saw him from a distance. After he had destroyed every wealth that he had taken earlier, his father ran for him to embrace him, not to condemn. He ran for him to embrace. That's the kind of God we, we serve. He's not the judge, he's our father. He's our father. His love is extreme. It doesn't matter how long you feel 
so down and, and run down and you think, I don't think I'll make it through 2023. It doesn't look like anything is working for me at all. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. God's love is still the same. It doesn't change. So the, another thing is this. Ambassadors are never voted in. You can't say, I want to vote for this guy to be an ambassador. Ambassadors are appointed by the head of state. Now, in my country, when someone wants to run for office, you just gather up a bunch of people somehow and tell them a bunch of lies, then you're in. That's how simple it is. If you tell the truth, you don't get anything. But the bottom line is you have to run for office and let people vote for you. But an ambassador, the head of state just picks up a phone and say, you are appointed. You will be in Russia, maybe not this time, but <laughs> you will be somewhere, maybe in Ghana, or you will be in Amsterdam, and starting next week, start packing your stuff, just like that. And that is not protested because it's an, it's an appointment. An appointment was made for you. So you are only answerable to God, the one who appoints you. Now the Bible says that in John 15, 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That means when you are minding your own business, God chose you. And so that you may bear fruits and abide, so that whatever you ask, the Father in, in my name, he may give it to you. It also says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet. Your position in Christ, therefore, is not contested because the one who appointed you is God, is Jehovah God. An ambassador will never be a citizen in the country that he is, 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 is working for. That means you, you can't be in Mexico City as an ambassador and apply to be a citizen there. It doesn't work like that. You can't. Even your children cannot, as long as you're in that office, because that office is a special appointment. It means you are set apart for God's plan. God's plan over your life was predestined before we were born. That's what the Bible says. There is a mission that God gave you before you were born. This is why among us, there are people that are babbling to do something for the kingdom of God. There's something that you have not yet shown, but is there that says your assignment in the house is ABC. You already know your destination. You already know what you want to do. The only sad part is that sometimes the devil keeps us at bay and he says, it's not time for you to do it yet. That time is not yet. And you keep hearing these voices. That time is not yet. But you know your destiny. You know what God has put in your heart. Let me encourage you to stand out and fulfill that commission that God has put over your life. Because this is the time to do it. You're looking at a guy here who was so shy, could not stand anyone. If, any, if anybody came to our home, I would go out and, and hide on the back. Very, very shy man. But you know what God did? He transformed all that and showed me that my calling was to reach nations. My calling was to reach people, develop leadership. And that's what I'm doing for the kingdom of God. I'm only doing a part, but you can do a part too. 
Right here at Cypress Creek, there is room for you. Well, since you're too quiet, let me move on. <laughs> so ambassadors are never rewarded in the country that they are working. That means their salary does not come from the country in which they are posted to work. Their paycheck comes from the country that is sending them. Our God is the one that provides all our needs according to his glory in heaven. So your needs are going to be met. Sometimes we look back and say, but you don't understand my situation. I don't have to understand anything. I understand what the word of God says. A story was told of a missionary by the name John Bright. He was a missionary in Africa for 35 years. And his wife was not doing very good. She was struggling with the chronic disease on and off. For 35 years, they battled their life there. But the man could not give up because he knew that God had called him to be in the missions. After 35 years, he got so tired, he decided, I'm going back to New York. I got to go back with New York. I can't, I can't live like this anymore. My wife has been unwell for a long, long, long time. I quit. I'm going home. And boarded the boat. He went in the boat. They sailed to New York. Apparently, in that boat, the former President Roosevelt was in the same boat. When they got to New York, as they were docking, everybody was asked to remain seated while the President walks out of the boat. They put a red carpet for the President as he walked out, but there was no one to meet the missionary and his ailing wife. So he gets out, the carpet is rolled back, he gets out with his sick wife, nobody to say welcome. So he was so bitter. And they said, but Lord, for 35 years, I did the best. I did my best in Africa. Here I come, nothing, and nobody is waiting for me. And the Lord came back to him and said, you are not home yet. That means this world is temporal for every one of us. It's a stopping place where we are waiting for the great day when the trumpet will sound and all of us will rise as a force and meet cloud and the Bible says we'll meet Christ in the cloud and we will be with him forever. And all the pain and the suffering and the bills will be gone. <laughs> it's a different world altogether. And the Bible says, and we will rejoice with him forever and ever and ever. I pray for people I've been doing this for a long time. People that are sick, some get healed, some don't. And people ask me questions like, do you believe you can pray for people and get well? I say, yeah, because God is the one that heals. Sometimes they ask me silly questions and say, what if they die? Then I say, they don't need healing then. <laughs> it's all over. It's all... You know what? I don't know about you, but when I first came to the Lord, I, I, it was, it, these things like healing, it was difficult for me to understand. How does God heal without taking a pill? How, 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 how does that happen? It was a very difficult concept for me. But over time, as I saw God doing a lot of miracles and healing people, then I began to believe that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the 2023, he still heals. So if you're there and you're thinking, well, it doesn't heal anymore, that's your problem, but that's not what God is saying. God is our deliverer. He is our healer. 
Anybody still here? So ambassadors therefore speak the position of their government, the government that is sending them. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That means an ambassador is not supposed to be worried because his sending country provide him everything. Everything is, is sus, he's sustained by his sending country. So when the Bible says we are ambassadors, that means our sustenance come from heaven. We believe God provides our healing. He provides all our needs. The Bible says, I will provide all your needs according to his riches in Christ. If I need healing, then God is the God that heals us. If I need blessing, he says, I'll bless you as you come in and as you walk out. So that means blessings are waiting for us. It is up to us, church, to confess the right thing. Sometimes we hinder God's progress because of what we think and because of how we say things. Our words form images within us. If we think that we are sick, we meditate on that, you feel sick the next morning. But if you believe that my God is my healer, then you think differently too. So really, our God provides every need that we have. Let me close by telling you a story here. In 2 Kings 6, verse number 16, it is a story of Elijah. Elijah gets up in the morning and is surrounded by Syrians. And his servant Gehaz gets out of the house and he sees that the Syrians had surrounded him. He comes back running in the house and he says, man, we are dead. What are we going to do? And the man of God says what? He says, because we are surrounded by Syrians. And the Bible says that Elijah did not look to see how many there were. But he only said, don't worry, because those that are with us are more than them that are out there. Without looking, because sometimes eyes can be deceptive. I remember some years ago, we had a lady who had lost three kids. And every time when they were one year old, they would die. So she brought, she brought this kid, which was number four, for us to pray that God will preserve the life of this kid. And when she put the kids down, the eyes of the kids were rolling the same symptoms that had killed the other kids. And she began to sob and she said, this is it, they always behave this way before they die. So can you pray for this kid? When you look at the eyes, you, you, you tell yourself there's no life there. That's when I learned that our eyes can fool us and we become afraid when we look at the situation. And I took the kid, I prayed, I put in my wife's hand, I said, pray for this kid. And we prayed life to the kid whose eyes were rolling and the mother was looking the other way, sobbing, thinking, this is it, they all die this way. And also, you know, when you look at the condition and the symptoms, Fear comes in. There was fear in the entire house that we were going to lose the baby at that moment. My wife prayed for the baby. Simple prayers. God, you are our healer. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We don't have to be super spiritual in praying. We don't have to have arranged words <laughs> because it's nothing to do with us. It is God who heals. We prayed for the kid and the kid normalized immediately. And we were surprised too. <laughs> you know, that's when you discover, oh, I can, it, oh, okay, okay. I will take it. <laughs> I learned that you will never know who you are until you do something. So when that happened, I knew, oh, okay. So that means I can pray for other people. Who else? <laughs> Bring them on. <laughs> and God healed that kid. And now, none of their kid, her kid died again. She has five, enjoying life. The curse was broken. Don't ask me how, I don't know. All I know, I believe that God says, I am your healer that healeth. That's so simple. Our God, we make him complicated, but he's a simple God. This prayer, anyone, anyone among us can pray it. It doesn't take special people. It takes anyone who has faith in God. You can do it. You can pray for your family. You can pray for your grandchildren. You can pray for anyone sick. You don't, except that you don't have to look. <laughs> because sometimes when you look, the symptoms are scary. But you just have to trust that our God is our healer. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you are Jehovah God. We are so thankful that greater is he as in us than him in the world. We are so privileged to live at this time when Jesus Christ is reigning over us. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for everyone who is here today that your righteousness will manifest in a special way on every life that is represented here. I pray for families. I pray for grandchildren. In Jesus' name, I pray for family unity in the name of Jesus. I pray for healing, any kind of ailment, any kind of pain, any kind of struggle in the name of Jesus. We bring every struggle under the cross and we say the blood of Jesus is here. The blood that washes away all our sins. We are thankful this day that God, you have your special people here, people that are separated for your purpose. I pray your love, your love that surpasses all our understanding. I give you glory and honor and thank you so much in Jesus' name.